is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today I am delighted to welcome Mia Baytop Russell to the show. Mia, we're going to have such a juicy conversation, excuse me, about transforming burnout to engagement. Mia, welcome. I'm thrilled you're with me today. Thank you, Caroline. I'm happy to be here too. Oh my goodness. You and I were talking before the show. Burnout is such uh, a relevant topic right now. It seems to be the buzz. Everybody's talking about it. So many people are experiencing it. And your book takes a, a very interesting angle. But if you're willing, would you talk to this global audience about your personal experience and your struggle with burnout so they can really put it all into context? Sure. I am... Um... Yeah, I uh, I think we were talking about being vulnerable. So let's start there, right? Yeah. So I've long been interested in um, general well-being. Um, I'm a family and consumer sciences professional. So I've uh, kind of long studied and enjoyed learning about the general well-being of individuals, families, and communities. And really, if I put myself in that conversation, it's been because I have also long struggled with work-life balance or what we call now work-life integration. Um, for such a long, I guess, a majority of my career, it seemed like conversations uh, centered around burnout, right? It was this uh, a badge of honor when you ask people how things are going at work or even their personal lives, right? They're busy, they're stressed, so much going on. This is what you, this is how we start conversations. And um, it doesn't matter if that conversation, again, is about life or work. It's just in some way, shape or fashion, we're talking about stress, lack of capacity, this, the gap between um, demands and resources. And personally, I was self-employed for about 15 years. Um, and while I threw myself into that work and I really enjoyed it, uh, there's this slippery slope, or maybe we could say double-edged sword when we think about burnout and engagement. Uh, being so engaged in something, it makes it hard to detach, right? Um, we can easily, when you don't detach, we easily become uh, emotionally and physically exhausted. Um, and really, the physical and emotional exhaustion related to work is the beginning of this downward spiral that we can call burnout. Um, so you, you talk about, everybody's talking about burnout, right? It's this popular metaphor, um, but it's also this, uh, you know, emerged out of uh, uh, social um, research in 1974, and it hasn't really changed, right? People think about burnout and they think about really kind of stumbling around. I think we describe it in our book as uh, being weighed down by excessive job pressure, stum stumbling through exhaustion and cynicism about work um, with this cloud of self-doubt around job performance and success. Right. So while we use burnout to talk about life in general, it really is this work construct. 
You know, I'm so glad that you said that there's this badge of honor that, that has become acculturated, that if we burn candle at the at both ends, uh, you know, we're celebrated and, and getting vulnerable. I've been there too. I've been in organizations that promote the overwork. And I think it's been exacerbated as a result of the pandemic journey and gotten even worse. Is that mm-hmm. your understanding with the research that you put into the book? Yeah, I think that we can say it's gotten worse. Um, it's definitely, um, I, I guess I want to answer that two ways. So we can look at research. We have research from 2018, 17, 16 even, that shows two thirds of um, workers, full-time employees are experiencing signs of burnout. You know, since the pandemic, that's still about the same amount. 66, maybe you might see 69%. It's still about two thirds. I think what's happening is that uh, we're thinking, you know, maybe we're a little bit more vocal about burnout, right? We see these new trends like quiet quitting, um, but we also are doing something about it, which uh, perhaps what we could argue that wasn't happening in the same way, right? When now we're thinking about, we're reimagining our relationship with work, and I think in new and exciting ways, um, it does it, do, it does create problems when we want to go or do anything because there's we don't have enough people working in uh, in uh, kind of roles that they were working in before. So it is creating challenges for us. But uh, I don't know if it's actually more people based Got on it. the research. Yeah. But Mia, let's pull that thread a little because this is not the singular responsibility of the individual, right? It's not just about looking in the mirror saying, I've got to stop working. I need to start doing some yoga. I need to meditate. That's not what you're talking about. You posit in the book so beautifully that, look, the organization, the work, uh, the leaders need to take responsibility in this. And you mentioned quiet quitting. There's a huge backlash to quiet quitting saying, don't pin this on the the individual. Pin this on the leaders. Let yes. let them be accountable. So tell me more. Yeah, I think that is one of our uh, single largest assertions in this book. And um, I I think you know when when you talk about how I even found you know in in some ways what inspired me to write this book or inspired us to write this book rather, and um, my own challenges with burnout. Everywhere I looked for for many years, I have uh, thankfully I have uh, um, almost adult children, college age children, right? But through their entire life, I've all, I was always seeking information around balance, and now what we know is work life integration, and so much of it was what you just said: yoga, meditation, right? Take time for yourself. Uh, all of these strategies for what we might call self care. But when we think about the work environment, so little of what is the the employee or individual has so little control over what is happening around them in the work environment. Certainly they have control over their work, but they are likely not instituting policies or even managing the work uh, that's coming into the department, how it's um, uh, kind of allocated. Uh, Perhaps they may not have a role in the level of autonomy that they have. So we do think uh, leaders and organizations 
have a responsibility. In fact, we like to call it that, um, you know, we believe that leaders should be burnout risk managers in the same nice. way that they have this span of control uh, over uh, whether it's people or processes, they can also, uh, you know, put out these, um, uh, you know, uh, watch for signals or symptoms that they need to be aware of. And when they notice it, address it. Okay, so let's go there because this is so important. We've got a global listening audience and I know their ears are perking up saying, okay, if I'm managing a team, if I'm leading an organization, small, medium, large and beyond, what do I need to look for? How do I know if my people are burning out? So what are those warning signs, Mia? Yeah, a lot of the warning signs are things like emotional and physical drain, um, uncaring attitudes or a change in attitudes and behaviors. Uh, it, it might look like reduced involvement at work um, or reduced responsiveness to others. Uh, depending on the type of work, it could look like a change in the quality of their work, right? We see this a lot in what I like to uh, term as helping professionals. So um, whether this is a doctor or nurse or a teacher or social worker, right? These careers in which you have a lot of um, interaction with clientele or the public. Um, it also might look like lack of competence and confidence. And um, going back to that image around this cloud of self-doubt, it could also be these negative reflections of accomplishments, both past and present at work. If yeah. managers see these symptoms, you know, the, the idea is that they can affirm their team or their colleagues uh, in the same way that uh, we don't want to say it's the leader's fault. We do believe the leader is responsible, uh, but they can find out, they can reach out to figure out how they can help uh, their team, their colleagues, um, and we also offer a framework in which to consider that. Mia, hold that thought. We'll be right back after a quick break. Hello there, it's Caroline Dowd Higgins. I know that hiring the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. You need a speaker who can customize content to meet your goals and someone who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Meeting planners around the world have recognized me for being easy to work with and uniquely suited to create dynamic programming for your needs. My style is high energy and engaging with practical takeaways that participants can implement in their lives and careers immediately. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create healthy workplace cultures or prevent burnout in your organization, I create customized content to help recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. From the boardroom to the training room or the convention hall, I will help your audience thrive. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. You can find me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. Okay, you mentioned framework. Let's think about that because I, I hear you and I really appreciate that. Look, it's not the leader's fault. However, it's their responsibility. They have accountability to really listen and be observant and then offer solutions to mitigate 
the burnout that their employees are feeling. So how do you make that shift from burnout to engagement? Sure. We, um, we created a, a framework. We call it the uh, Organization Job Personal or OJP framework that can help leaders identify and assess characteristics of the work environment that can drive engagement and mitigate, as you said, a burnout. Um, and this framework is really useful for people, whether or not they have loads of authority or resources. Uh, we know that the framework is really not a panacea, but um, it, it provides this way to think about uh, burnout and um, and engagement. And while it might not be easy, right, like there is this idea of responsibility um, without fault, right? It may not be an easy thing, but we're hoping that it's easier. And so we think about this framework um, from a socio-ecological model where we're, we, we understand that there are many factors that, influences, uh, that influence the work, work environment and employees' productivity, performance, um, et cetera. Um, and in order to create this thriving, flourishing, or effective, positive work environment, right, this ideal work environment, we have to attack it at multiple levels. Okay, so let's keep keep thinking about vulnerability. You interviewed a lot of people in the book and have great examples. What what worked and what didn't? Because I think we learn from the failure as much as we do from the success. Yeah, I think what um, what works is um, having this having this uh, this vision of this ideal work environment and what it is that you want uh, your people to be able to do, to feel, uh, to experience, right? The way in which you want them to be involved and engaged. Um, and so thinking about the things that you actually have control over and can influence or those levers in w- that you can adjust, like how can you modify the physical environment? Uh, we talk to people that that mentioned small things like lighting or having a window, right? Um, How can they make the work environment more pleasant, more inviting, more collaborative? And of course, we're talking much more, we're talking more and more around collaboration today with this um, uh, kind of uh, drive for return to office, right? This entire conversation is around, we want people in the office so we can be more collaborative. Um, But also, Many leaders talked a lot and employees talked a lot about uh, the type and frequency of communication, right? They talked about trusting relationships and uh, greater transparency. Um, They also talked about things like uh, job and organization fit. So are they doing the right types of tasks? Uh, How can they find, uh, you know, how can their leader leverage their strengths so that they're working really where they should be working? Um, How can teams, processes, and workflows be improved? You know, how might they be able to talk about the bottlenecks or cogs that they see in the process? Um, I think those are the types of things that really resonated um, and we heard repeatedly. So what what about some big fabulous fails? You know, companies that just blew it, admittedly, and now they're they're trying to fix it and trying to move forward on a different path and and um, you know be resilient. 
But I'll give you an example. I have so many clients around the world who are really struggling because their organization is not flexible. And we had a two plus year case study in flexibility and remote work out of necessity because of the pandemic. And I'm, I'm not pointing fingers, but some organizations are less flexible now. And it's not about being in the office. Flexibility is much different than just in-person or remote. So going back to what's not working that, that you're hearing, boots on the ground, that people can learn from as they're listening to this show today. What I heard... Um... Honestly, we heard a lot of people talk about things that they wanted to change. It wasn't about what hadn't been working, um, but they realized, at least many managers realized that, um, let me say, maybe they were embracing the, the general notion that their employees or their human resources are their most important asset. And they were trying to find ways to demonstrate it, right? So perhaps the flip side of that is that that wasn't a priority before or it wasn't prioritized as it is today. I think that's what we heard a lot of. We also heard a lot of leaders saying, I don't know how to help my team when I'm experiencing the same thing. And that was um, interesting, right? Like to say, to say the least, it was uh, something that we decided to write an extra chapter about because of that, because I hadn't really, we, we hadn't really talked about that. Um, how it may be like, how do you deal with that when you're trying to do all that you can, especially in the midst of a pandemic to provide this ideal work environment for your team, but you're experiencing burnout or some symptoms thereof, right? How do you do that? You know, Mia, one of the takeaways that I got from your book too, is that the savvy leader is asking, what yes. do you need? How can I help? What would make this better? Because you're right. We, we, we're not mind readers and, and some employees don't feel that space of safety, psychological safety to bring it up on their own. So my big takeaway in your book is ask, listen, be open because people will tell you what they need to be successful. Yeah, I think I think in general, people will tell you what they need to be successful. And I do think the conversation, uh, I think the workplace is primed for this conversation today. But I also think that this is new, right? For, for years, I don't think it was okay or employees didn't feel like it was okay. They didn't have that psychological safety, as you mentioned, safety to... Uh, raise concerns that they thought didn't really matter in the workplace, right? And I think we're realizing that everything matters, right? We bring all of this baggage to work. And so while your um, employer, your leader, your job might not be able to affect it, it's important to let them know what's going on, right? There are all types of different supports that can be offered, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I can't tell you how much that resonates, that it's new. So many people that I talk to think, wait a minute, I, I can be happy and gratified and satisfied in my work environment. I think pre-pandemic, people suffered a lot more. And that put life literally in perspective and gave us a, an opportunity to 
to really go back to basics and say, what do I value? I'm spending all this time every day at work. I deserve to be happy. So I hear you loud and clearly. Big shift yeah. there. Yeah, so, I think that um, leaders know they can cultivate this environment where employees can be engaged, right? Full of energy, enthusiasm, engagement. Um, it, it's clear that there are lots of options, that, that leaders and organizations have lots of options at their disposal. Disposal, And by focusing on encouraging employee well-being, uh, you know, focusing on employee strengths, like it works. I think, yeah, yeah. it works. Yeah. Well, and let's let's see what else works, or let's say what else works. Engagement truly impacts retention, recruiting and retaining. So savvy organizations and savvy leaders need to take this to heart because it will make or break the success of your organization moving forward. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. Mia, what a joy to have you on the show. I want to honor your amazing co-author, Gervin Liggins, and your incredible book is called Fired Up, a guide to transforming your team from burnout to engagement. And of course, it is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all major book retailers. But Mia, thanks. Thanks for being with me today. I learned a lot from you. Thank you. And if you like the show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud and leave us a review because this helps new listeners find us online. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.